Today on the Matt Walsh Show, Mike Pence dominates in the vice presidential debate last night. The media is so desperate to distract from Pence's brilliant performance that they're now accusing him of sexism for debating a woman at a debate against a woman. Also, five headlines, including more rioting and looting for perhaps the most absurd reason yet. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel celebrities who got naked in order to encourage people to vote. But I'm not only canceling them. I'll also be canceling all get-out-the-vote drives. They're all canceled. They all should be abolished. And I'll explain why. But first, let's talk about ExpressVPN. You know, the internet is a place where people feel safe sharing their views. And they should. You know, I certainly share my views all the time here. But the problem is that you can end up getting targeted for your beliefs. You know what big tech and big government have in common? Actually, a lot. But uh, here's one. They both want to silence any dissenting voices into submission. I mean, let's say you're a proud gun owner. You want to talk on social media about the right to bear arms. Well, chances are your post will be flagged by a content moderator and you might end up on some kind of government watch list. You know, you never know. To fight back against having your voice censored by both big tech and big government, I recommend ExpressVPN. When I use ExpressVPN, you know, uh, they can't see my my IP address at all. My identity is, uh, is anonymous. It's made that way by a secure VPN server. Plus, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of my internet, internet data for protection from hackers and eavesdroppers. ExpressVPN is by far the best VPN I've tried. It's the VPN rated number one by CNET, Wired, countless other tech publications. This is just the smart move. It's the right thing to do. It's what I do, what I do, what you should do. Protect yourself. Give yourself some privacy. Stop letting big tech and big government censor and track you. Defend your rights. Protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Walsh. That's expressvpn.com slash Walsh. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Walsh to get three months free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Walsh to learn more. Okay, let's talk about the debate now. And as I do so from this uh, ritzy hotel room, because I am here in Grove City, Pennsylvania, waiting to speak at uh, Grove City College at, at, at seven o'clock tonight. If you're in the area, come on out. I'm excited to be speaking to people live in person for the first time in months. So that'll be great. Grove City College tonight. Hope to see you there. Uh, now, as for the debate, uh, it was not a surprise, you know, to see Vice President Mike Pence win the debate against Senator Kamala Harris, a woman who threatens at times to make Hillary Clinton appear genuine and likable by comparison. But it was perhaps unexpected to see Pence in his polite, understated, Midwestern way dominate and humiliate Harris to such an extent, to such an extent that the mainstream media was forced to make headlines out of the fly that landed on Pence's head for two minutes. Anything to distract from the substance of his performance, anything to avoid the real headline, which is Mike Pence wins big. In fact, the left has been so desperate in the aftermath of the debate that an MSNBC guest went into a lengthy discourse on the fly, eventually concluding that the fly was an omen it's the mark of the devil. Listen. Well, if this was a normal debate, his behavior would have been scored very, very poorly. It would have been on the higher end of weird behavior, and, and not for nothing. I mean, I don't think it's ever a good sign when a fly lands on your head for two minutes. You know, that's a, that's a sign all through history of sin, and historically, biblically, <laughs> uh, maybe you wouldn't normally say this after, uh, you wouldn't, it's only safe to say this, sorry, after midnight, but you know, the, a fly, he who commands the fly has always been seen historically as the mark of the devil. So I'm just <laughs> well, I'm not see, relevant, but, but, it, but it, I, having the fly Now as a journalist, your- 
ever. Now I have to never- ask for the record, are you joking? Because uh, it, the fly could have landed on anyone. Yes, but it didn't. It landed on Mike Pence, and it, and it says something. <laughs> I don't think karmic about the status of the campaign as it implodes. Now, if we really want to play this game with the fly, then we could talk about the time that Obama nearly had a fly pry its way into his mouth. And, you know, as this photographic evidence confirms. But let's not talk about the fly. The fly was not the only headline to come out of the debate. According to our diligent journalist class, Mike Pence also had one eye that was a little red. This provided fodder for extensive commentary from Forbes, BuzzFeed, Los Angeles Times, and other esteemed publications. Also, Mike Pence's wife, Karen, appeared on stage to congratulate her husband after the debate and was not wearing a mask, which provoked indictments from the Huffington Post, Newsweek, New York Times. Imagine their shock and horror should they learn that Karen Pence also presumably doesn't wear a mask when she sleeps in the same bed as her husband or sits on the the sofa next to him to watch TV or spends much of her life in close proximity to him. But the big news, even bigger than the flies and the pink eye, you can believe it, is that Vice President Mike Pence was a sexist for committing the unthinkable sin of debating a woman during a debate against a woman. Right on cue, nearly as as soon as the broadcast concluded, Dan Rather and others in the news media were accusing Pence of mansplaining. George Stephanopoulos at ABC also latched on to this mansplaining talking point. Here's what he said. Sarah Fagan, let me bring that to you, because obviously Mike Pence uh, is a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor, but I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on tonight. I don't know. I didn't see it that way, George. It didn't come across to me. Now, notice how he ironically tries to explain about mansplaining to a woman who disagrees with him, which is funny. Also, Major Garrett at CBS gushed with pride, exclaiming that um, Harris was an inspiration for women everywhere when she asserted herself against the rude man who kept arguing with her, almost as if they were taking part in an event where the whole point is to argue with each other. Here's what he said. I think there was something very stylistically important. And just because it's stylistic doesn't mean it doesn't have weight. I think this will. And back me up on this, Caitlin and Elaine, because I'm sure you heard it as well. When she was being interrupted, Senator Harris did not look at the vice president and say, don't interrupt me. What did she say? I'm speaking now. I think that is an important stylistic difference. She's not giving the vice president an order, stop interrupting me. She is asserting, I'm speaking now. And I think many American women heard that and said, I know what that feels like. I know what that is in that moment. I'm speaking and I should be allowed to speak. And there were more. And NBC presidential historian Michael uh, Beschloss noted that Pence was interrupting not just one woman, but two both his female opponent and the female moderator. This, this, he says, shows a lack of respect. Over on CNN, S.E. Cup was apoplectic, ranting about how Pence's alleged sexism and mansplaining was, quote, infuriating. It made her skin crawl. Here's what she said. Let me, let me just start by saying I, I know Mike Pence. I've met Mike Pence. I've interviewed Mike Pence. And at one time, I found him very impressive. Tonight, He made my skin crawl uh, and I think showed that you can uh, be insulting without using insults. Um, uh, You know, the the constant interruptions, the mansplaining, the condescending uh, to both of the women uh, on that stage tonight. And, and, And the not answering questions, the gaslighting, I found infuriating. 
And predictably, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez got in on the identity politics action. Okay, she can't let this go away without, without having her say. She said that Pence daring to ask questions to Harris was misogynistic and, quote, exemplary of the gender dynamics so many women have to deal with at work. Feminist writer Jill uh, Filopovich claimed bizarrely that it was condescending and sexist for Pence to call Kamala by her name. Okay, Jill. Many publications such as The Hill extolled Harris's courage in the face of these horrific attacks, celebrated her inspirational, you know, girl power performance. On and on and on. Now, this is all nonsense, of course. The candidates spoke for the same amount of time, or Harris actually had more speaking time, depending on which tally you believe. But by no one's count did Pence hog the stage and take significantly more than his fair share of the speaking time. He did argue with Harris and attempt to explain his point of view, but that, again, is the entire point of a debate. Pence approached this encounter like he did uh, with Tim Kaine in 2016. And speaking of 2016... Uh, Donald Trump was frequently accused of sexism for interrupting and, 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 uh, and talking over Hillary Clinton, yet Trump did far more of that sort of thing against Joe Biden last week. It seems these men are just debating how they debate, regardless of the gender of their opponent. Indeed, it can be said in general that any woman who is interrupted and talked over by any man is most likely being treated exactly as that man treats other men. It's also how that woman likely treats other men and how she treats other women. It is, to put it simply, just people being people. It is equality. And that's supposed to be what feminists are fighting for. But as we've learned time and again, feminists actually want special treatment, even while clamoring for equal treatment. In a, in a strange way, they have become our culture's great defenders of chivalry, yet they pretend to hate chivalry and advocate for a version of it while claiming to want the opposite of it. And that's how we end up with a spectacle like last night. They tell us that women are strong and tough and can hang in there against any man and then proceed to wilt like delicate flowers when a woman was subjected to mild push pushback from one of the least aggressive, most polite men in politics. It is an absurd and transparent tactic. But it's all they have. I can only hope that most Americans are too smart to fall for it. Let's get to our five headlines. Speaking of debates, it, uh, if we must continue speaking of debates, the Daily Wire reports the second presidential debate between President uh, Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden will take place virtually with both candidates in separate locations, the Commission on Presidential Debates announced on Thursday. The commission announced the new form after Trump tested positive for coronavirus last week. Uh, Trump responded to the news minutes later, asserting he would not do a virtual debate. Um, according to a, a statement from the commission, the second presidential debate will take the form of a town meeting in which the candidates would participate from separate remote locations. The town meeting participants and the moderator, Steve Scully, will be located at the Adrian Arsht Center for the Performing Arts. Um, the White House pool will provide coverage of the second presidential debate. Okay. Uh, but Trump says uh, on Fox Business, he was, he was asked about it, and he said, I'm not going to do a virtual debate. I, I, you know, I think this is a mistake, personally. I, I'm probably going to be in the minority among conservatives. I don't know. I'm not really sure if I will be or not. But I think Trump needs to do the debate. He's down in the polls. Uh, the last debate didn't go very well for him. You know, he, he has more to gain from another debate than, than Biden does. Um, so I, this, the strategy of not doing it, I don't... 
I don't really see, you know, you know, I, and, and this has been my point. I think it's a little bit of a little bit of maybe tough love, tough talk for uh, some conservatives and some Trump supporters who are whistling pla- past the graveyard a little bit. And we see all these polls coming out and almost all of them look bad for Trump to varying degrees. Um, and but what we hear, of course, is that, well, you know, you can't trust the polls. They were wrong in 2016. 2016. Remember 2016? This is how it was in 2016. Everybody said Trump would get killed in 2016, and he didn't. 2016, 2016. Yeah, I know. That was 2016, though. That's not 2020. You're never going to win a campaign by pretending that it's four years ago, especially when so much has happened in the, in the uh, intervening years, and especially when there are, so, there, there are a lot of obvious differences here. Number one, he's not running against Hillary Clinton anymore. That was a big advantage he had being that she still is the least likable person on planet Earth. She was also under investigation by the FBI at the time. So, I mean, he, 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 he couldn't have asked for a better opponent. Uh, he, so he doesn't have that. Now, there are a lot of weaknesses to Joe Biden, but he's not Hillary Clinton. He's, he's not just this viscerally detestable guy. You might not like him. I don't like him. But I'm talking about how he's perceived in the public. It's not like Hillary Clinton. Uh, so he doesn't have that going for him. He's not, he's not a novelty act anymore. He's the incumbent. And then you add in, you know, the economy, coronavirus, riots, everything. Some of that cuts for him, some of it against him. But it's just, a, it's, the point is it's an entirely different situation. And so if you're, if you're telling yourself, ah, it'll be fine, because remember 2016, I think we're making a big mistake. And remember, this is the mistake that a lot of Hillary Clinton supporters made in 2016. It's because they were so confident. Now I'm going to have a fly problem. It's going to be a fly in it, but the good thing is if I have a fly on my head, you won't be able to see it because I've got, that's Pence's problem. He had white hair so you could see the fly. Anyway, um, but Hillary Clinton supporters were, were so confident that I think many of them didn't show up because they figured that they were going to win. And um, I think that's, that's a, a foolhardy confidence you don't want to have. So uh, tr- Trump needs to really try to win. If he doesn't try, he's not going to. And I think that includes doing the debate. Now, that said, Objecting to a virtual debate, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense. But I do think there, there, there are other reasons, other good reasons to object to a debate. Uh, and one thing that Trump could do is take issue with the moderator. I mean, I think that, that Republicans in general, forget about format, virtual or not, when it comes to the moderators, Republicans in general should be putting their foot down and saying, we are not going to do any more debates, period, at all, until you give us a moderator who is not an unofficial member of my opponent's campaign. It's not an unreasonable demand. The moderator last night, I thought, was even worse than Chris Wells. So it's an absolute embarrassment. A uh, lot of examples of bias. The most biased thing we got, though, from the moderator last night was when she was talking about the Breonna Taylor case. I don't know if you picked up on this. She referred to the police officers breaking into Breonna Taylor's apartment. They were serving a legal warrant, and she categorized that as a break-in. Just an absurdly biased framing and, and false framing for the question, but that's what you get from these moderators. Okay, number two. Well, it's uh, Groundhog's Day all over again. More rioting, this time in um, Wauwatosa, a city in Wisconsin. Here's just one short clip of the rioting. Watch this.
The reason for the riot is the DA's decision not to charge the officer with a crime in the shooting of Alvin Cole. Cole, 17-year-old black male, was shot by Officer Joseph Mensa at a shopping mall. The DA says that Cole was armed with a stolen pistol. He had flashed it at somebody during an argument. And then he pulled the gun on the cops, and he actually fired the gun. He, he hit himself, apparently, in the process. But uh, he pulled a gun and fired it. And that's when he got shot. The officer who shot him, by the way, is black. Okay? He's a black man. But this, somehow, so you, a black police officer uh, shooting an armed person who pulled a gun on him, that somehow is racist police brutality. A black police officer shooting a guy who points a gun at him is racist police brutality. Well, sure, why not? Because none of these words have any meaning anymore. They have just no meaning. You can use them however you like. The words like racist, police brutality, they should have meaning. In reality, they have meaning, but the way they're used, it's, there's no meaning. You just throw them out. It doesn't matter if it applies or not. Um, I'll have more to say about this case probably tomorrow, so we'll, we'll get back to it. Number three from Reuters says, Netflix Incorporated is facing a criminal charge in a Texas county for promoting lewd visuals of a child in the French film Cuties, according to a statement from Tyler County's district attorney. The document filed on September 23rd said Netflix promoted material in the film that depicts lewd exhibition of the public, of the, rather, of the pubic area of a clothed or partially clothed child who was uh, younger than 18 years of age, which appeals to the prurient interests in sex. Um... Netflix said in a statement that Cuties is a social commentary against the sexualization of young children. This charge is without merit, and we stand by the film. So this is the government enforcing basic standards of decency. I'm all for it. I love it. I think it's a great thing. I'm glad the government's doing it. I wish more uh, local governments would do this. But I do think it's, and, and this, is, this has been the reaction I've noticed from, I, I haven't seen any conservative object to this. this. This Most conservatives, anyway, are celebrating this and saying, good. Um, the, the interesting thing though, is I, I can remember about a year ago when we were talking about laws related to pornography, some of us were making the case that the government should enforce basic standards of decency, especially to protect children. And a whole lot of conservatives had a big problem with that. If, if there's been a change in heart, that's great. Maybe we're starting to realize that, yeah, protecting children, um, that sort of thing. That, that the government does have a role there. All right, number four. Um, big news here, if I can find it. Oh, here's the big news. Apple is turning the mask emoji frown upside down in an upcoming update to the iOS. This is according to CNN. The mask emoji has typically been used to represent someone who is in the medical field or is sick. However, with masks becoming more ubiquitous due to the pandemic, Apple is changing the emojis look in the upcoming... Why am I even reading this? Anyway, they've got more mask emojis coming. Okay, that's all. I only bring this up just because just it's, it's further proof, I think, of my point that emojis are stupid. That's all. There you go. Evidence. Um, number five. Finally, Oklahoma County Jail employee employees uh, Gregory Cornell Butler Jr. and Christian Charles Miles have been charged with cruel, cruelty and conspiracy for handcuffing inmates and forcing them to listen to Baby Shark on repeat for hours. Um, now, as a parent, I'm thrilled to find out that I can actually have my children prosecuted for committing similar crimes against me. I think many parents have, have, have dealt with this. Now, granted, my kids never really got into the Baby Shark craze, thank God. 
for me, it's been the book, um, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. That is our baby shark. That is the thing that is, that is heard, that it reverberates through our household at all hours of the day. All of my kids have been obsessed with this, with this book. Um, they like to have the book read to them. They like to watch videos of other people reading the book. They like to listen to musical renditions of We're Going on a Bear Hunt. It is, it is torturous. It has ruined my life. We're going on a bear hunt. We're going to catch a big one. What a beautiful day. We're not scared. Uh-oh, grass. Long, wavy grass. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. Got to go through it. Swishy, swashy, swishy, swashy. And on and on and on. That's how the book goes. Repeating itself for pages and pages. And the book doesn't even make sense, first of all. The onomatopoeias that it uses are completely arbitrary. Swishy-swashy for grass? What kind of grass is swishy-swashy? And the plot is even worse. The plot is this family, mom, dad, kids, young kids, walking through the woods trying to catch a bear. What, what sort of neglectful, psychotic parent brings their kids into the woods to catch a bear? A big bear, it's even specified. This, 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 is, this, this book is basically... Uh, an account of an attempted murder-suicide. That's how, that's how disturbing it is. It might as well be, we're going to go drown ourselves. Yay! It really is that. And, you know, it's brainwashed my kids on top of it. Every time we're in the woods now, we go for a hike or something. Every time, my son is, is saying, let's go on a bear hunt. And I say, oh, you're going to hunt for a bear, huh? With what? We don't even have a hunting rifle. What are you going to use, a stick? The kid's going to get himself mauled. And you know what? It's going to be the fault of this book. So we all have. Every parent has something like that that tortures them. It's different for all of us. Um, okay. Hopefully one day our kids will be brought to justice for inflicting this psychological torture on us. We're going to get to our daily cancellation now. Now today, for our daily cancellation, I'm afraid I must play some deeply unsettling footage for you. Uh, I wish there was another way. I wish I didn't have to subject you to this, but I'm afraid a mere description will not suffice. So here it is. I'm naked. I'm completely butt-ass naked. I'm naked. I'm like naked. There isn't a man behind me. These are my hands. Why you want me to be naked? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ruffalo, um, put your clothes on. To be honest, I wish I could cover my hands with my boobs, but here we are. I'm here to talk to you about voting. Did you know that ballots could be naked? And if you don't do exactly what I tell you, your ballot could get thrown out. This is uh, my ballot, just got it. First of all, when your ballot comes, you're supposed to read the instructions. Read and follow the instructions that come with your ballot. If they say to use a black pen, use a black pen. I know that's like literally the least sexy thing a completely naked person could say, but... But I have crumb like a can of Pepsi. Is problem? Number two. <laughs> In some states like Pennsylvania. 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 There are two envelopes you have to stuff your ballot in. Otherwise, it's called a naked ballot. Naked ballots. <gasps> and you don't want to have one of those. Number three, mail your ballot in as soon as you can. Don't sit on them. Get those things out ASAP. Like now. Do it! Get it in as soon as you can. I gotta get my ballot to the mother post office. Let's go! Please vote. Take your clothes off and vote. Vote, vote, vote. Everyone's voice 
matters in this election. Please vote. America needs you. Yes, the celebrities are at it again, I'm afraid, this time naked. And the makers of this particular montage uh, did not appear to be selecting participants based on their physical attractiveness. It seems they were selected based simply on their level of personal desperation and shamelessness. Now, it is somewhat amazing that celebrities keep coming out with these PSAs, particularly this format, the montage of various celebrities saying different words. They keep doing this even though they are roundly mocked and derided every time. Even more perplexing, the same celebrities are often involved. Mark Ruffalo's PSA resume is more extensive than his filmography at this point. It's also more widely viewed, I think. They, they just they, they can't get enough of it. This guy in particular, Mark, Mark Ruffalo, and he appears to think we can't get enough of him, but we can and we have. In fact, I'm not sure that anyone on earth has at any point ever said to themselves, I'm not sure what to make of this particular issue. I hope Mar Mark Ruffalo releases a PSA. But if such a person does exist, they must be in a near constant state of euphoria because the PSAs never stop. But I want to be clear about something. I am not just canceling these celebrities for this PSA, and I'm not just canceling celebrity PSAs in general, though I am canceling both. My real problem here is that this is a get-out-the-vote PSA, which is my least favorite type. I am, I am canceling all get-out-the-vote efforts, get-out-the-vote videos, PSAs, billboards, campaigns, whatever. They're all canceled. I hate all of them. None of them should exist. And the reason is very simple. If you, need, if you need naked celebrities or anyone else to tell you to vote and encourage you and even explain how to do it, how to fill in a mail-in ballot or press a button, then you are exactly the sort of person who should not be voting. All of the people who should be voting are the ones who do not need to be told or reminded to do it, much less do they need the, the process explained to them. That's because they are informed, competent, mature adults. This is the precise category of person that we want at the polls. We don't want anyone else. Any effort to get anyone but informed and competent people to the polls is bad and should be abolished and banned and criminalized. This all goes back to the familiar uh, but still rather new American attitude that sees voting as a sacred duty of all Americans and that you know, thinks that uh, anyone who votes should be proud of themselves. They should put on an I voted sticker and take a selfie and post it on Instagram and say, look world, I voted. Aren't you proud of me? No, I'm not. And you shouldn't be proud of yourself if you voted just to vote, if you voted just simply because it's your right or your alleged responsibility. No, it's not your responsibility to simply vote. It is your responsibility to make an informed, knowledgeable, well-reasoned vote. That is the only good kind of vote. All other kinds of votes are bad and harmful and helping to destroy our republic. So if you are not informed and not knowledgeable, then the best thing you can do for your country, the most patriotic thing, the most responsible thing, is not vote. If you vote despite being uninformed, then you should be ashamed, not proud of having inflicted your stupidity on the country. So enough of the get out the vote drives. Let the people who know what's going on, who keep themselves informed, who have done the legwork prior to voting, vote. Let everybody else remain in their Dorito-stained Netflix stupor. We don't need them on election day. We don't want them. Do your duty, if you're in that category, and stay home, no matter what the naked celebrities tell you. That's going to do it for us today. 
Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Mike Pence wrecks Kamala Harris. Liberal celebrities strip for democracy, and President Trump works the art of the deal on China virus relief. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.